Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a couple goes on vacation and is never heard from again. They're not looking for a missing person. Because adults don't go missing. Adults leave a trail, and there's no trail, okay? Police find evidence the couple may have been shot. Hydroshock brain of ammunition is specifically designed for use against human beings. The last place they were seen was at a well-known nightclub in the resort town. That was taken at Secrets Nightclub in the last night that they were alive. But there were other secrets that night, like what really happened to these two people. It was at an office party where Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley first met. Both had been married previously, and the two were instantly attracted to one another, despite a considerable age difference. Josh was 32 years old. Jeannie was 51. And my normal response is, if the shoe was on the other foot, you wouldn't think twice about it. In Joshua 4, Jeannie Crutchley found a younger man who was exciting, fun to be around, who also wanted to do new things in life. Josh was a very successful mortgage broker. Jeannie was an accountant for an insurance company. After dating for two years, they moved in together, sharing a house in Fairfax, Virginia. They were two spirits who really had the same personalities. So when those same two personalities clicked, I don't think the age made that much difference to them. They just fell in love. The couple rented a condo for the Memorial Day weekend in Ocean City, Maryland a well-known resort town along the Atlantic shore. But neither one showed up for work when the holiday weekend was over. When Jeannie didn't show up for work, her coworkers were really concerned, and that's when they notified the Ocean City police. Police went to their rented condo and found Jeannie's car in the parking lot. It was obvious to the police right away that the car had been there for an extended period of time. In Ocean City, with the sand blowing around constantly, sand begins to accumulate very quickly. And nothing was out of place in the condominium. There's absolutely no sign of foul play. There wasn't any break-in. There wasn't any broken glass. The place was relatively clean. Jeannie's car keys were still in the condo. So were their clothes, computer, and camera. It was as if they'd gone out for a walk and never came back. A background check revealed Josh and Jeannie used their credit card to buy drinks at the Green Turtle, a sports bar on Saturday night. Investigators found the waitress who served Josh and Jeannie. She recalled they were sitting alone. She did remember that he was a fan of the Celtics and was tuned into the game. From there, investigators learned that Josh and Jeannie took a bus to a nearby club. One of the hottest nightclubs in Ocean City where everybody just floods to in secrets. And that's where they were heading. The bus driver identified Josh and Jeannie from a photo lineup and said they were talking with another couple on the bus, 
a Caucasian couple in their late 20s or early 30s. They actually, when they got off the bus, all four of them waited in line for over an hour to get in. Witnesses saw the two couples drinking together and also saw them leave together. But there was no trace of Josh and Jeannie after that. No cell phone activity, no credit card activity, no nothing. These people were just plucked off the face of the earth. Less than a week after Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley went missing, police were called to a Hooters restaurant in Ocean City, Maryland. A silent alarm went off after midnight, telling police there was a robbery in progress. Upon the officer arriving, he finds a Jeep backed up to the door and two people walking out with armloads of stolen merchandise. The robbers, a man and a woman, were arrested on the spot. They were so intoxicated that the male, the husband, says to one of the officers, thinking it would be okay, can't we just put it all back and we'll be cool? Benjamin and Erica Sifrit weren't your typical married couple. They weren't your typical burglars either. Erica Sifrit comes from an upper middle class family, great student, excellent basketball player. Her three-point shooting was top five in the country her freshman or sophomore year. Benjamin Sifrit, or BJ as he was known, was a former Navy SEAL who had finished first in his class. He was an expert shot. He was the cream of the crop. I was told by some of his SEAL buddies that this was the type of guy who could go out, drink all night long, okay? Stay out till five o'clock in the morning, go back to the dorm, sleep for an hour or two, and do a 20-mile run the next day and beat everybody because it was up here. He's motivated up here. Neither one had ever been arrested before, but inside their car, police were surprised by what they found. These people are armed to the teeth. She has a gun in her waistband. It's a 357 five-shot revolver. I mean, he's got a six-hour, nine-millimeter that's fully loaded, ready to go. And then in the vehicle, there's a 45 caliber H&K combat weapon. So, you know, you look at, looking at that, they mean business. And the arresting officers discovered something else. Inside Erica's purse were the Virginia driver's licenses of Joshua Ford and Jeannie Crutchley. And automatically, the hair on the back of their neck stands up, and they realize this is a lot bigger than just a burglary at Hooters with handguns. When asked where she got the licenses, Erica said she and BJ found them and denied ever meeting or even seeing Josh and Jeannie. It's very, very possible that they found these licenses on the beach. Or maybe they're planning a future crime of maybe stealing someone's identity. In the back of the Sifrit's vehicle, police found ski masks and flex cuffs. It makes you think maybe they've held these people hostage or taken them hostage and they're holding them somewhere against their will. Investigators now had probable cause to search the Sifrit's nearby condo. They found a lot more than they bargained for. On the table outside the dining room, they find two spent bullets. Police also found evidence that BJ and Erica lied to them. They find a stack of photographs 
uh, really a cache of photographs. And on the top is a picture of Jeannie and Joshua at Secrets. That was taken in the last night that they were alive. One of the pictures in the Sifritz condo showed a ring on Josh Ford's hand. In another picture, taken two days after Josh and Jeannie went missing, Erica Sifrit is wearing Josh's ring on a chain around her neck. And when she was arrested for the robbery, police found that ring in her purse. Even more damning, police found in the Sifrit's possession a key to the Atlantis condominiums where Josh and Jeannie had been staying. They turned the key, it unlocked the door. It was the key to Josh and Jeannie's unit. Police were now certain that the Sifrits had something to do with Josh and Jeannie's disappearance. But what? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The last known photograph of Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley was taken at the Secrets nightclub. From a photo lineup, the bus driver identified BJ and Erica Sifrit as the couple he saw with Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley when he dropped them off at Secrets. And witnesses saw the two couples leave Secrets together. But what happened after that? Investigators took a much closer forensic look in the bathroom of the Sifritz condo. And there, they noticed something. I saw some orange-colored substance on the tile. I noticed a little bit running down the side of the um, shower stall. And when I saw that, I thought, well, you know, maybe this could be blood. They pull out the sink stopper for the, for the washing sink, and they find all kinds of hair attached to it with blood and flesh. Underneath that sink, investigators discovered a bullet hole that went clear through the wall into the adjacent bedroom. This matched the two bullets found on the Sifrit's coffee table. One of them looked like it had some drywall dust in it. One of them looked like it had blood in it, grooves and joints and stuff like that. On the large glass window inside the bathroom, crime scene technicians discovered a partial palm print. Tests on the blood in the bathroom and on the mangled 357 slug found on the coffee table 
yielded a DNA profile. Investigators took samples from Josh and Jeannie's toothbrushes and hairbrushes and generated their DNA profiles. Most of the DNA that we tested came back mixed DNA, both of Joshua Ford and Jeannie Crutchley. The DNA on the mangled 357 slug found on the coffee table was Josh's. So that bullet had been in Joshua Ford's body at some point and then dug out or pulled out and kept as a trophy by the Sifferts. We didn't have the bodies, but we knew that somebody had met a very brutal and gruesome end in that room. Bullets test-fired from Erica Sifrit's 357 revolver were compared to the damaged bullets. When the hollow point expands in soft tissue, it'll mushroom out. Many people might think that this expansion is damaged to a bullet and might prevent or even hinder firearms examination. However, this is just simply not true. The two bullets recovered from the dining room table positively associate, or in other words, matched, back to the 357 Magnum revolver. When faced with this evidence, Erica Sifrit made a deal with prosecutors. She agreed to lead them to Josh and Jeannie's bodies and testify against BJ in exchange for a reduced charge. She told investigators they dismembered Josh and Jeannie's bodies and put them in dumpsters in the neighboring state of Delaware, 10 miles away. For investigators, this was a lucky break. Delaware has a unique system of dumping. They know where everything they dump, they know what plot it is at their dump site. Eight days after Josh and Jeannie went missing, parts of their dismembered bodies were found. Bullets recovered from Josh's body matched Erica Sifrit's gun. Josh's palm print matched the print on the bathroom window in the Sifrit's condo. Incredibly, Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley were random victims of a couple for whom breaking the law had become a strange romantic obsession. But just when investigators thought the case had been solved, Erica came forward with a story they could hardly believe. Prosecutors made a deal with Erica Sifrit. If she told them the truth about what happened to Josh Ford and Jeannie Crutchley, she would face a reduced charge. One of the requirements of the deal was that she had to pass a polygraph test. Originally, she told prosecutors that she had nothing to do with the murders, that all she did was help dispose of the bodies. Later, however, she changed her story. She admitted during the pre-test interview that she was more involved in the homicides than she had told us up to then. She admitted taking the knife and stabbing Jeannie. Erica also admitted the tattoo on her abdomen had a special significance. Following the stabbing of Jeannie Crutchley, she got a tattoo on her side in the same place where she stabbed Jeannie Crutchley. And that was so she could forever be reminded of that night. 
she was involved from the get-go. She essentially admitted she ordered the killings. Uh, so based on that, you know, we couldn't, uh, couldn't continue with this deal. First-degree murder charges were filed against both BJ and Erica Sifrit. Each ended up turning on the other. As the trials approached, investigators struggled to find a motive for the crime. We believe that these murders were committed simply for the fun or the thrill of, of killing. Um, we've come up with no other possible motive in this case. The couple owned a scrapbooking store near a mall in Altoona, Pennsylvania. But two months before the murders, they began turning to a life of crime. According to Erica, there was very little sexual contact between her and her husband, BJ. Uh, she told me that BJ thrived on the burglaries and doing things of risk, and that's what got him off. They start out burglarizing places close to where Erica and BJ own the business. That's not fun anymore. So they upped the ante. They needed more thrill, more thrill, more thrill. Prosecutors say the Sifrits were hunting for thrills when they met Josh and Jeannie at Secrets Nightclub. After some conversation, they all decided to go back to the Sifrits condo for more drinking, conversation, and a dip in the hot tub. But the Sifrits decided to toy with Josh and Jeannie. Erica claimed her purse was missing with her expensive jewelry inside, and she wanted Josh and Jeannie to help look for it. But only Erica and BJ were in on the game. If Josh and Jeannie found the purse, they could live. If not, they'd have to pay the price. When Josh and Jeannie didn't find the purse, BJ accused them of stealing it. They must have took it. What? You took it! You're stealing a purse! Everybody calm down. It's all right. Where is it? We don't have it. Prove it. Take your clothes off. Are you serious? Right now, take your clothes off. Come on. Come on. Shut up. Look, we don't have it, okay? Josh and Jeannie made a run for the bathroom and locked the door. They tried to escape, with Josh leaving his palm print on the window. The evidence shows four shots were fired. The first two went through the door and hit Josh in the torso. Erica said BJ fired the third shot into Josh's head. Prosecutors believe Erica fired the fourth shot towards Jeannie and missed, either accidentally or deliberately as part of their cruel game. The bullet went through the wall into the adjoining bedroom. Erica told prosecutors she stabbed Jeannie in the abdomen with a knife. Later, when Erica brought some rags and detergent to clean up the blood, she said BJ was in the hot tub with the heads of their two victims. She said... B.J. removed the slug from Josh's head to keep it as a trophy. Over the next 24 hours, the couple dismembered the bodies, placed them in garbage bags, and put them in various dumpsters throughout Delaware. 
They also went to a hardware store to buy a new bathroom door and more cleaning supplies to repair the bathroom as best they could. Afterwards, the couple acted as if nothing had happened. Drinking beer, having a great time, going to miniature golf. Nobody would have suspected them of being the animals they are. Erica wore Josh's ring as a trophy and carried around their driver's licenses and kept the slugs from the shootings. Erica and BJ were tried separately. Her defense was, I didn't do it, he did. His defense was, I didn't do it, she did. In the absence of any physical evidence against him, and the fact that Erica's gun was used in Josh's murder, B.J. was convicted of only one count of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to 38 years in prison. Erica was convicted of both murders and sentenced to life in prison plus 20 years. She had the gun in her possession. She has you know, the victim's identification in her purse. She has all of the souvenirs, if you will, with her in her possession or in her purse. Still bothers me. Why this case stands out, I'll probably never see another case like this in my career and hopefully in my lifetime. Without the forensic evidence, it would have been difficult to get um, a, um, a conviction of homicide in any degree as to these two defendants. It, it was possible, um, but it, it would have been much, much more difficult. 